0: In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, it is wonderful to see you here this morning, and uh, just so glad to be with you to worship the Lord. Uh, I'm reminded—I heard the story about a journalist who was working in Jerusalem, and. Uh, when he got, the, got there to Jerusalem, he got an apartment, and his apartment happened to overlook the Wailing Wall. And he noticed that after a few weeks, that every time he looked down upon the wall, he would see the same old man, old, little old Jewish man, praying vigorously uh, at the Wailing Wall. And being a journalist, he thought maybe there's a story there. So he uh, went down to the wall, introduced himself uh, to the old man, and said, I've noticed that you come here every day. Uh, What is it that you are praying for? The old man replied, Well, in the morning I pray for world peace, and then I pray for the brotherhood of mankind. And then I go home, and I have a glass of tea, and I come back, and I pray for the eradication of illness and disease from the earth. Well, the journalist was captivated by the old man's sincerity and his persistence, and said, Every day you come and pray for this? He said, Yeah, every, every day... How long have you been coming to pray for these things? The old man reflected and said, I mean, 20, maybe 25 years? The journalist, not particularly being a man of faith himself, was, was actually amazed and said, Well, how, how does it feel uh, to come and pray every day for over 20 years for these things? The man kind of got a faraway look in his eyes and said, you know, it it really feels like I'm talking to a wall. (laughs) Kind of a cheap shot, really kind of a lame joke, honestly. Um, But prayer can feel like that sometimes. Prayer can feel like that. I've actually said several sermons or or, uh, classes that I've taught that I don't feel like I'm a great prayer. Um, It's not that I feel like I'm talking to a wall so much, I know that God... Uh, Here's my prayers, and it's not that I can't pray in front of people. Um, I mean, I can usually put together words that are pretty impressive, really. But the point of the point of prayer is not to impress you, right? It's to impress God, or actually, not maybe not impress, but to press in upon God. Uh, For me, words are the easy part. It's the heart that's hard. The heart that's hard, at least in my case. So when I say I'm not great at prayer, what I'm talking about is consistency. Uh, I'm talking about the discipline of coming before the Lord with regularity. I mean, like with a, you know, you've seen people with a list uh, that's just tattered with use over the years. Um, I, I'm talking about the instinct to pray first before I act uh, and having the patience to wait for and to discern an answer from the Lord. I, I don't know if that surprises you about your priest. Some of you know me well enough to know, and it doesn't surprise you. Um, but I'm learning, and I think all my life, all my life, I will be learning. In fact, I'm learning from some of you. Uh, whenever I have the opportunity, therefore, to, to preach or to teach on prayer, I have to come with, with great humility uh, to the text, and I come to you as a, as a fellow learner. Um. But prayer is the topic of the sermon today, because prayer is all over both the Old Testament and the New Testament passage. Uh, And there's a lot more to say about prayer than we have time for this morning, but we want to take a look at prayer in the lives of Elijah and Jesus. And I actually wanted to get to Peter too, but just ran out of time. I'll have to leave that for another sermon sometime. But um, save me, Lord. That's a great prayer, right? It's a great prayer. But we're going to look at Elijah and Jesus, and the nature of their prayers, I think, is surprising. So let's look at Elijah first, this Old Testament passage, 1 Kings 19, the great prophet, Elijah. And it'll probably help you to know uh, that Elijah has just come off one of the greatest victories in the Bible, that he has just defeated the 450 prophets of Baal. And if you don't know that story, you've got to go read it. It's one of my favorites in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 18. And and you would expect that coming off of such a magnificent victory, a victory for Elijah and certainly a victory for the Lord, that that would give Elijah just, you know, a little bit of swagger. Just a little swagger. Yeah, a little confidence in what the Lord can accomplish. But no. Because treacherous Queen Jezebel promises to respond to the miracle by killing Elijah within 24 hours. And Elijah is despondent. He is utterly depressed. He feels totally alone. And so he runs off to this faraway mountain. You know, I, in my experience, somebody, you can get a hundred compliments in one nasty comment, and that's the thing you're up at night thinking about. And, um, and so that's kind of, you know, that's where, we, that's where we find Elijah this morning. He is alone. He is afraid. He is sad. He is disappointed. He is depressed. And I think really, in a, in a sense, I mean, it, it's nice to know that the great saints of the Bible feel the same things that you and I feel. Uh, there's a lot of people right now that are feeling sad and alone and afraid and disappointed and depressed. Maybe you're one of them. God comes to Elijah in that moment. Elijah doesn't reach out to God so much but God comes to Elijah and speaks to him and it's important to note that he is not upset with Elijah for feeling the way he feels he doesn't say didn't you see what I did on Mount Carmel he comes to him and, and shows him something incredible he pastors him really he so he, he, um, Elijah looks out and he sees hurricane force winds. And then he sees a, an earthquake shaking the valley around him. Then he sees this raging fire. Now, we're not told how long these things took. It must have taken quite some time. But in each one, Elijah somehow knows that the Lord is not in it. I mean, he must have caused it. But this was not the way that the Lord was going to speak to Elijah. This is not the way that the Lord is going to comfort or reassure Elijah. But then after the fire comes what's in our bulletin is called a sound of sheer silence. It's what's translated in the King James is the still small voice. Famously the still, small voice. I want you to see uh, t- two things. that if, if prayer is conversation with God, which is kind of typically how we think of, of prayer, that for despondent, lonely, depressed Elijah, it is God who initiates the conversation. God makes the first move. And in fact, Elijah is not real receptive. I mean, if you look, he says the exact same thing Twice. Even after God shows him this remarkable uh, event. And you might think that, uh, that if, well, if God spoke to me that way, I mean I'd, I'd pay attention. Well listen, Elijah can't go to Barnes and Noble and pick up a Bible, right? I mean you and I uh, well, let me say that God had to speak in, in that dramatic way to uh, Elijah, but you and I actually have the word of God in our hands. We have what God wants to speak to us in our hands. And I'll help you, and Father Trent would help you, but, but God does speak through his word. And his word was available to you before your problems, right? Before COVID, before the diagnosis, before the layoff, God initiates the conversation. God makes the first move. And not only do we have the Word of God, but we also have the Spirit of God. God is with you just like He was with Elijah. That's the promise of the Holy Spirit. I will be with you always. And sometimes we do get that nudge, right? That voice that we know isn't just the pizza we ate last night. Um, I have had a friend when I was in high school, and she was not in high school. She was about 80 years old. Her name was Snooks. And uh, Snooks, was this regal Episcopalian woman? We, I think we were. She was kind of a mentor. We were paired uh, through our through the youth group as sort of a mentor program. And um, and I, I remember her telling me she was not. She was so soft to the spirit of God. And I remember her telling me she was not always like that. But she was driving one day and came to a stoplight. Just you know, just a normal intersection stoplight, and was overcome with the presence of God just bathed with the spirit of the lord in that mundane moment that stoplight moment god initiated the conversation god makes the first move i also want you to see that god does not speak to elijah in the drama of the wind and the earthquake and the fire but he actually speaks in the silence in the ordinary The mundane, the still small voice, and just like those stoplight moments, we want—at least I want—the big neon sign flashing in the sky. This is what you're supposed to do. But God typically—I mean, sometimes He speaks that way. Typically, God just usually is in the quiet moments, and sometimes we cannot even see Him working. What this says is that he is working, even when we can't see it. He's there. He's got this. So he makes the initiative, even when we can't see him working, he's working. Let's move to the gospel. And I'm actually going to leave the walking on water uh, for another sermon. Uh, But uh, I want to focus instead on the fact that before this miraculous act on the water, that Jesus was alone in prayer. That's where we find Jesus. Prayer was a regular practice of Jesus, And I just think, you know, I mean, Jesus is God. What does God say to God? You know, why does, why does he need to do that? But there are lots of instances, aren't there, where Jesus sneaks away and it's so God the Son can commune with God the Father. And if you remember our passage from last week, uh, also in Matthew chapter 14, it comes right before this, Jesus had been looking for some alone time with, with the Father. Uh, he had heard about the death of John the Baptist, which means not only was he grieving, but also uh, his ministry was, was now at, at the center, was, was at the forefront. And, um, and so he wants some alone time, but, uh, but the crowds find him. And he has compassion on the crowds, and so he stays with them, he teaches them, he heals their sick. And then he gives them the miracle meal, five loaves, two fish, feeding the 5,000. And so we pick it up today as as, um, Jesus, as Jesus is dismissing the crowds. In fact, he sends the disciples away too, in the boat across the Sea of Galilee, and now he's finally got his alone time. And we're not told the details of this prayer, so it kind of is left to our imagination, but at least as I uh, read this, I imagine that Jesus prayed. He wasn't giving the Father a to-do list. Right, I want you to do this for me, and this for me, and this for me, and bless this person, and bless me. And he wasn't giving the father to do list, but he actually is working. His prayer is that he is working out his emotions in the presence of God. He's being rejuvenated, refreshed, uh, just resting in God's presence. Maybe there's a lot of words. Maybe there's not a lot of words. Maybe the son simply has his attention fixed upon the father, knowing that the father has his attention fixed upon the son maybe he is reciting some psalms or some other scripture and rehearsing to himself the faithfulness and the power of god before he faces these uncertain and scary circumstances maybe he is working out his fear and grief under the watchful and loving eye of the father maybe he's just sleeping in the presence of god the evangelical author Tim Keller talks about prayer as properly being not, <clears throat> not merely a way to get things from God, but a way to get more of God himself. Interestingly, the late uh, mystic author, Evelyn Underhill, essentially describes prayer the same way. and She us, encourages us to uh, the sort of prayer that aims at God in and for himself and not for any of his gifts. And which more and more profoundly rests in him alone. And I think surely this must have been the nature of the prayer of Jesus that night. Prayer that was focused not on what he could get from the Father, but prayer that was focused on getting the Father himself. Trusting that if he had the Father and the Father had him, that all the stuff that was coming was going to kind of work itself out, come what may. You know, the words that we say are very important in prayer, but they're not the only thing that's important by any means. Sometimes prayer is not words. It's just giving our attention to God. Deep breaths, maybe, while our hearts and minds are just fixed on God. Not so much asking for stuff or even listening but just fixing our attention on God. Really the one thing we know that prayer is not is talking to a wall. That's really the one thing that it's not. Because God has already, we know that this because God has gone to great lengths to make sure that nothing stands between you and Him. To make sure the lines of communication are always open. God came down from heaven in the person of Jesus Christ to live life as it should have been lived and to die the death that you and I deserve to die so that our sin would no longer stand between us and God. He died to wash away our sins in love and he rose to promise us that we will always have the attention of God the Father. We'll always have the attention of God the Father prayer is being with the God who loves you like that. So I have to ask you the same question that I have to ask myself all the time, and that is, what is your prayer life like? In just a minute, we're going to have the prayers of the people, and let me say that if if that is the sum total of your uh, prayer life each week, then you're just cheating yourself out of part of what Jesus died to give you. In these economically uncertain times, in these politically divided times, in this pandemic time, prayer is a gift of God to the children that He loves. Do you know that your God wants to, longs to, loves to spend time with you? And prayer is not so much a formula of words, but attention to God and attention from God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So can we, like Jesus, and through Jesus, take time each day to step into that grace, to be with the Lord who loves us, to have that conversation, to ask for things for sure, but to give Him our attention. So let's end with prayer. Father, thank You for the gift of prayer. We don't always feel like we're so good at it. We don't know what to do. But help us to trust that you do. That you are with us. And sometimes that's enough. Help us to know, Father, that you love us. And help us to long to spend that time with you as you long to spend that time with us. In Jesus' name, amen.